Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the Mindful Muslim Speaks podcast. I am your host, Mindful Muslim, and we're covering topics that you care about as women. All topics that we have, parenting, love, marriage, relationships, and today, an incredibly important topic. And I'm glad to have a special guest to talk to us about this topic, um, because it's something as women that I think we are really um, challenged by and at the same time passionate and confused and and I see people on all sides of the fence and I really want to talk about this topic and I felt like gosh I know I could say a lot but I know there's someone better than myself and uh, more equipped uh, to, to have this conversation because she does a ton of work um, around this topic on her podcast, The Smart Muslim Podcast. So it is none other than the host of that podcast, Sister Farhat. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Farhat. Great to have you with us. Wa alaikum assalam. How are you? Oh, just, just excited, to be honest. And alhamdulillah, um, I know you have done so much work, but let us know, what are you up to right now in your podcast? Like, what are some of the things that you're covering and going on right now? Well, alhamdulillah. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say, Zakhlaq, for having me on. Um, I really do genuinely like your podcast. And I've, I've heard, I haven't heard all of the episodes, but the, I think the work that you're doing, mashallah, is really essential. Alhamdulillah, I think we need more um, sisters speaking about, like you said, topics that really are important to sisters in particular, you know, issues relating to modern life and challenges that we're facing living in the West in particular. Um, but yeah, but so, yeah. Well. that's why I love your podcast as well, because you're covering tons of those. And I think that there are strengths that all of us have. And I think you're just so well versed in the topic that we're going to talk about today. So yeah, love yours as well. The inspiration behind the um, podcast is Surah Asr. So to, you know, believe, to do good deeds and then give advice based on truth and patience. So at the moment, um, again, one of the, the topic that, you know, I think it's a perennial topic um, about love and in particular premarital um, um, advice. I, I think that's something I've realized, Mashla, don't, don't you think? There's a lot of marriage advice. Like you can go on YouTube, you know, Alhamdulillah, there's lots of good Islamic books on marriage. But I think the premarital area of what you should, how do you find um, someone that is compatible to you based on Islamic guidelines, you know, in a halal way? I think that in our day and time nowadays, that seems to be a real struggle. And actually, it's funny you say that because I know you said you can get to maybe catch up on all our podcasts, but. We just in the last month did an entire love series where that's all. Oh, mashallah. Yeah, that's all we talked about. And the statistics were really like uh, in the US, it's something like one in three Muslim marriages, they end up in divorce. And so we yes. said, gosh, you know, a lot of it had to do with a lack of premarital education, like you're talking about. So yes, for sure, absolutely. we're on the same page. And we have an entire um, pre class that we did with women about that. And so, yeah, oh, I think we're on the same page. So I'm glad to hear other people are doing uh, a lot yeah, of work. I think the more people are giving Islamic guidance and advice on this subject, the better, frankly, because I think that is the way if you go into it with an Islamic mindset, if you go into the the, the whole looking for a spouse with an Islamic mindset, then your, you know, your chances of success, inshallah, once you get married will be stronger. So Alhamdulillah, good. I'm so happy you said that, that you've, you've done that. And yeah. uh, that's excellent. Alhamdulillah. And so Sister Farhat, she has done a lot of work around um, 
just the hijab. And I really want to talk about because you know, it's funny, Sifra had so many sisters have asked me to talk about it. And even though I think I you know, like all women, we all have our hijab story, I feel like you just cover it so well. And, and you have done a lot of really great work on liberalism and how it has changed kind of how we wear hijab. We have seen a surge in Muslim companies coming to the forefront to accommodate Muslim women's fashion needs. Now, I just happen to be um, recording this from Turkey. And I remember mm -hmm. 10 years ago when I started to buy from a company called Madanisa, and even then I saw the, a shift in the way that they marketed. I see all these different companies marketing to our women and a new company coming up every day on Instagram on an account or, or whatever. And Muslim women's fashion needs seems to be really important all of a sudden. But what's your take mm -hmm. on this quote unquote modest fashion industry? Um, well, yeah, you're, you're right. I can think back to 10 years ago, there was time when you, uh, you'd either make your own, um, you know, jilbabs. And um, I remember at one point, I used to even sew my own um, khimars, the, the headscarf. And now there is this, this um, like plethora of um, choice that we have. And again, now choice in this, now this is what's interesting. Um, in Islam, as far as, the, you know, the guidelines, as far as what you need to cover. So just as, as a very quick, that there are a decent eye that you can um, uh, look up and everyone please should. Uh, I'm sure, mashallah, a lot of your listeners already have, but, you know, in, in, you know the, the two, the, the main schools of thought agree on um, as far as, um, you know, hand, what should be shown are your, you can show your hands and your face you know, um, and so the rest of you should be covered. So when you're at home, there are certain people, you know, your mehram, um, the people, male relatives who you cannot marry, you don't have to cover in front of them. However, you know, there is, um, you know, a certain, your aura that between, so the parts of your body that you should cover, there are still parts of your body that you should even cover in front of your mehram. Um, but um, as far as in particular, you, you cover in front of men who you could marry. Yeah, that, that's the way to, to think of it. And now there's Sister, we covering the- on, We should touch on Kassiat and Aliyat because I think there's also confusion with women about what covering means. Like if I'm wearing oh, like really tight, tight, skinny jeans, oh, yes. I'm technically covering my legs. But the point of the covering, which I think we know is that it shouldn't show- the shape of your body. So you shouldn't yes. be able to see the definition of my legs or my backside or my, you know, my bosom or something. You shouldn't be able to see those things. So just because I have hijab and I have a long sweater on and a long jeans down to me to my very, very ankle, doesn't mean I'm falling in line with the, with the, wouldn't you say that's right? The Islamic Yes, I'm so happy you've said that. Now, even just that we could spend hours just talking about the different aspects of um, hijab. And I really do, again, I think this is the point we have to, you know, we, we, we do degrees, we go to work, we put our time and energy into things and that's good, that's fine, as long as it's within the guidelines for some. But when it comes now, again, this should be something that we do the research on that, who do I need to cover in front of? What, it, what you know, what is tight clothing? What is not tight clothing? Um, you know, this is something as individuals we need to do for ourselves because we will be accountable that, you know, the, to, the excuse of saying, I, I didn't have time to find out or I didn't put, you know, I didn't make it priority. Is that really going to be a good enough excuse? And mm -hmm. the thing is that you just need to do this research once and put it into practice. It's, um, uh, 
it's not you know I remember doing this and it you know it'll take a couple of days and, and that's it you know even you know a couple of hours should I say in a few days you can find out the rules about what should you know so for example in particular the, the thing that seems to have a lot of interest is when you go outside in public you know for example uh, you know do I need to is it okay to, to just wear a turban which shows my neck and ears or you know can I show some of my hair popping out or do I need to is it only my face that should be shown that seems to be a point where um, people are questioning and it's interesting um, when I've looked at articles and that who's written um, who's who's raising these questions <coughs> like there was an article in Huffington Post where this man he said um, that there are scholars who are Muslim scholars who have said no wearing the himar the um, headscarf is not fur it's not obligatory now it's interesting when you when I researched who is this writer He'd also written a book about how Islam permits LGBT. So straight away, I thought that tells you something. Um, <clears throat> and then when I looked at each so-called scholar, he was mentioning many of them, they weren't Islamic scholars. They were someone who's at, a, at Princeton or at Oxford. So their yeah. university, like, they've studied Islam as an academic subject. Yeah. They're not a Scot. They don't have Islamic, you know, they don't know, they don't, many of them don't even know Arabic. I I'm so glad you brought that up, sister, because I want sisters to know there's a huge difference if you're taking your knowledge <coughs> from a scholar who's in an Islamic university in Middle Eastern studies versus mm. like, you know, you actually study under a scholar, an Islamic scholar who practices Islam himself. And even if they're a Muslim who does Middle Eastern studies, sometimes they're, they're, um, they're they have views that are more secular and they're not necessarily religious at all and it's like you said it's following that whole secular liberalism feel and so I think women again need to know I think your really big point is the sources are really important and you say oh I don't have time this sounds like a lot of work but we have a lot of time to watch Netflix and binge Netflix yes. we have a lot of time to scroll TikTok and Snapchat we have a lot of time you know to be on YouTube and on Instagram but we don't have any time to figure out how we're supposed to put our clothes on in the morning and I just think that's just a shoddy attitude from us and I just want to be really honest about that and I think mm -hmm. it's like priority what do you care about? What's important to you? Well, if Allah is important to you and your identity as a Muslim is important to you, then you would want to know how that identity should be carried out, right? So I think that mm. that's really important what you're mentioning. I appreciate that. And and I think it's easy. What it is, we're, we're becoming, and it's this is a phenomenon in society in general where we want a quick answer. Um, we, we have a very short um, attention span. And so if you can read an article on Huffington Post or Huffington Post, they must be telling the truth. Um, and it's like a five minute read and it will tell you what you want to hear that, oh, um, in Islam, wearing the hijab is not fair. It, it's, and it's got a few Arabic names and um, it looks quite, um, it, you know, it looks official. And so therefore doing the research to find out, well, who are these people? Um, what is the basis upon which they've come to this? So there, there's so much Islamic consensus from hundreds and thousands of years of scholarship that says, no, we do. Um, and these guys suddenly have come up, a five-minute read is telling you you don't have to wear it. And, and the reason why I'm raising it is that I've had sisters send that to me and, on that, and they've passed it around. And on that basis, they are um, saying to women, you don't have to wear hijab. And that's what really shocked me that they... Um, I thought you're just so you ignore these these um, modern day thinkers and academics. You've taken your Islam from them rather than 
the Hadith in Bukhari and the narrations of Aisha and <coughs> may I be pleased with them. I thought th that's extremely worrying. And we can't do that if um, we, we have to stop ourselves from, from doing that. And like I said, take the time um, and effort. Um, but, but yeah, going back to what you were saying about the modern fashion industry now. So, okay, so just going back to, um, once we've understood that, yes, I should wear, um, I need to wear a head covering, you know, in front of um, non-mehram uh, and, you know, loose clothing indoors. And when I go out, I wear a head covering and I wear a jilbab, an outer garment that covers my, the clothes underneath. So when you know those two things, because they're the main two garments that we should be wearing. Now, as far as now, what's interesting is as far as the color and the style, you know, there, um, it, as long as, again, it's loose, it's not see through, it's not tight, it's not copying the clothing of non-Muslims, you know, um, as long as you are within those budget, you actually, the style is, can, for each country, like, for example, if you look at the way women cover in Pakistan is different to the way women cover in Africa or in Saudi or in Indonesia. And the thing is that the style and you can bring your fashion sense into it as long as you're staying within the Islamic guidelines. And then the other thing, as far as fashion within your home, in front of your mahram, um, your fashion, that's when you should, that's when you should really concentrate on your fashion, that looking, you can look as beautiful as you want. And, and if anything, you get reward for making an effort for your spouse, you know, making yourself presentable, being, you know, being beautiful isn't forbidden in Islam. It, there's just a time and place for it. So now, but what's interesting about, so that's number one, Islam does not forbid fashion and beauty and, and looking good and doing your hair and all of that. That's Although not I think we have to here. know the boundaries because sometimes I see women like on Instagram and they're doing selfies oh, yes. with like a ton of makeup. And so I'm just going to oh, yes, be honest, true. I'm just going to call it out. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like that's not okay because the whole point, no. and, and I think what you're bringing up is sister, which I think I want the women here to listen and understand is there's this basic criterion, like, like kind of like check boxes. Okay. Like it, are your clothes transparent? No, they're not great. Check. It's like, this is a couple check boxes, right? Mm. Once you know the check box, boxes, then after that, and, and like, you're not trying to draw insane amounts of attention to yourself. So if I have these big fake lashes and I have like this gaudy glitter eyeshadow, clearly there's some type of attention I'm grabbing. And for the women who say that they're not, I beg mm. them to reconsider what they're trying to do then, because if you don't want anybody to see it, then what's the point? And so it doesn't really, doesn't really, it's not, it's not in congruence with, you know, your beliefs. And so subhanAllah, mm. I just think that that's also important to know, like when we say beauty, I think that's such a, a, a yes. word. We have to be really careful because once again, we have to define the vocabulary we're using. What, how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala define beauty? What does Allah find beautiful? He finds humility beautiful. He finds, yes. you know, like all these different things. And so if that's the case, me going out with my clickety high heels and my bangles and my big, you know, like flashy, uh, you know, eyelashes, does that really shout humility? Like, I don't really know. So like, that's, that's the thing I want women to understand. If you, if we learn more about our Dean, we'll see clearly that these things don't make sense. And we don't have to always wait for everybody to tell us. It just kind of makes sense, you know, like once you actually yeah. know. You're, you know, I'd, I'd forgotten, you know what it is? I don't, because I, I, I no longer follow 
um you know the whole the fashion thing and, and, and instagrammers and, and influencers i kind of i de- totally detoxed my um instagram from I, th- I thought anything if i look at if i'm looking at anyone's feed that is making me feel ugly or is making me feel jealous of that person i thought i'm no longer going to see see that so it's like i've um I've protected. So I'm so happy you're right. You mentioned that. But no, no, I that- do the same. I do the same thing, sister, because in all honesty, like I don't listen to music at all. So a lot of women are like, oh, what about this song and that song? And I'm like, yeah. I don't even, even tell yeah. you how many decades now I probably haven't even, I won't even know what's currently on. And because I've, I've done the same, I've detoxed my ears. So, you know, and, and, this, yeah. and this, the minute I did that, it was the minute I was able to memorize Quran in the best way mm. possible. And because that was so effective, I was like, why would I ever go back, you know? And so, yes. so a lot, it's the same thing. I, I get you with that. It's like, I, I don't, you know, I'm like you, we're both on Instagram. We're both on maybe like, you know, mm-hmm. podcasting, but we're, we're so busy as mothers. I know for myself, I don't actually scroll that much after. So mm-hmm. I'm like you, I don't really know, but every once in a while, something will come in my feed. And I'm just like, yes. our women, woman will ask me, look at this. Isn't this permissible? And I'm like, Ooh. And so, yeah, I know what you're saying. Sometimes we have to detox, but for sure there's yeah. it's confusing because like, I think the bottom line is where are you getting your information from? And are you actually seeking real knowledge and information? Because if you are, and you know, those little tick boxes and, and it all makes sense, then you can go out the door and have your personality in your outfit, right? If you like a certain fashion, mm. style, like you're saying, yes. you can put your spin on it, but just as long as it's within the realms of what is a- approved, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Alhamdulillah, that, that's a very good way to put it. And and all I, what you notice with the, it's interesting that the whole, the label for modest fashion, it didn't exist 10 years ago. Mm. Um, but it's, and the only reason it exists is to, um, the fashion industry realized that, okay, there is a niche here that, um, so it started with, uh, it did start from the YouTubers who they, uh, Alhamdulillah, many of them actually genuinely, they were just doing hijab tutorials they were seeing that, okay, um, I don't see my, myself represented on mainstream fashion or mainstream media in particular. And I want to, I, I'm going to start doing this. So they all started off very genuinely and very small. And then what, ha- what happened was once um, the global fashion industry realized, oh, here's a niche that we are not exploiting. And so we need, we need to make money out of this because these oh. women on YouTube, they have found something they've got an audience we need to get get that audience and so then you had the the big guns then now you'll have whether it's so you do the whole phenomena of hijabi supermodels on catwalks again that that's like an oxymoron you know it it doesn't make any sense but the reason the only reason why they have them is because they want to get the halal market they want to get the the halal pound or the halal dollar that's there that there's muslims who want to buy who want these clothes so let's make out that we are being exclusive and we are representing Muslim women. And so they're then marketing it to us. But what's interesting, they will do it in their way. So they've then, it's like a Frankenstein version of a hijab. So they, when the, uh, we can just look at, you know what Halima um, Aden, that when she, Alhamdulillah, she's come out and then said that she, you know, through the blessings of her mum and the duas of her mum that, she's now no longer doing those catwalks and that she said and she, she gave a real insight into what it's really like for a hijabi model and how they distort your understanding of hijab and you end up doing things that you really didn't intend to do 
but for the sake of getting the work. And then that image is then broadcasted to millions of Muslim women who think, okay, yeah, so, you know, that, that sister's doing it and she's wearing it in a particular way. So I'm gonna buy the, those clothes that she's modeling and I'm gonna wear it like that or they'll, you'll get copycats. So it really is, we should know, okay, we, it's, we can buy these clothes as long as you know, within, we're gonna wear them within the guidelines that Les given us. But the modest fashion industry, it's not Islamic fashion. It's not hijab fashion. It's interesting, they don't, there's no connection to Islam in there. But for some reason, well, we know exactly why, but it's marketed aggressively to Muslim women and, mm. and they've changed the way we view our hijabs. That's what they've ultimately done, which is the tragedy. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because even myself recently, I didn't think about that, that it was kind of like a humble offering in the beginning. We're like, oh yeah, we're being underrepresented. Alhamdulillah, we get excited, right? Look, the tunics are mm. long enough for me to wear in H&M or wherever you are. You're like very excited. You're like, wow, this yes. year- you know, the styles are longer, it's flowy skirts are in. So now I can actually go to the regular store. I don't have to go out of my way and buy online and pay ridiculous fees of shipping. And so we get really excited, but we were forgetting that slowly they're like, oh, there's like millions and millions of people in this market. Why are we not marketing to them? And so we've now become a product for them. You know, we're just, we're somebody who that they're marketing to. And we're therefore, we're kind of not, we're not being conscious of the fact that they are distorting things. And if we don't already know, going back to knowing for your own self, not depending on other people, whether it's fashion models or fashion industries, whatever, to, to know, and then we just blindly follow because we're too lazy or we just you know don't have the time, quote unquote. Yeah, I think we can easily get lost in that and kind of trust the process. So I love that you brought that up for women because I want women to be more conscious because that's what we're mm. all about here, being more mindful about our purchases and more mindful about kind of where we're, you know, allowing ourselves to slip in and out. Like, I love that you brought up that that model had, she, there is this behind the scenes thing, pressures for all girls, but think about also, I'm not going to say any names, but there's some women who did start out really humble in the beginning with hijab and even um, some of the famous ones from the UK. And now they don't even wear hijab anymore and they take mm -hmm. it off on YouTube in front of everyone. I remember that was a really big thing. And when a lot yeah. of them took off their hijab, a lot of women took off hijab on Instagram. They literally went from wearing hijabs to hats yeah. to nothing or hijabs to turbans to nothing. And it was just, that's when I came on actually, because I found it so sad. I said, where is the mm. other narrative? What, like, yes. like you, how you think, like, where is every, like, why is no one talking about what's happening to us? And I mm. think at the end of the day, just like any other group of women, we have a right to wear whatever we want to wear. And we don't have to explain ourselves. We don't have to mm -hmm. feel like we're less just because like whatever, like if somebody goes out and they have like green hair and, and, and a woman and she has her head shaved up the side, they'll be like, oh, look how free and liberal she yes. is. And she's showing her identity. Okay. So this is my identity. And I know you want to believe that somebody's forcing me to do it, but they're not. And the minute I say, no, this is what I want. No one like believes you. They like, no, yes. the brainwash that can't be <laughs> <laughs> who would want to wear that? And I'm like, well, you, you think you're so superior, like your way is yeah. better and my way, there's something wrong. And then what happens is, and have you found, found this sister? Women who have low self-esteem and a poor body image easily fall into that narrative of, oh, maybe there is something wrong with me. Oh, maybe hijab isn't what I should be doing because they have no confidence to stand up and say, hey, this is who I am and I feel good about it. And I don't need you to make me feel good about it. I already do, you know?
Mm. I think it's, you know, I, I, um, I, I think women, we are so, um, un, um, so much scrutiny is put on us and I can understand, I, I genuinely can understand why some people buckle under that pressure of, um, because be um, women, we just everyone just wants to fit in. We don't want to stand out. We don't want people pointing at us. We just want to get an education. We want to raise our family. We want to go to work and just you know kind of head down, and get on with it. Yeah. And then you've got um, society saying all the you know saying things about us and accusing us. And and then if you like, for example, a, a sister who is wearing who's covered in a you know, because this, this is what's interesting. If you wear hijab in a very, um, if you beautify yourself and you're very, in a very kind of sexy way as well, that's the other thing that seems to be happening. The sexualization of hijab is definitely happening. Just like clothing, of all clothing for women has been sexualized. And there's this pressure to be, to, um, that somehow you need to look hot all the time. Again, that's happened to hijab, that you need to look hot in hijab, which you think, um, why have we accepted that? we need to question why why should we have to look like that so if you're not this very sexualized um trendy version of hijab you then must be so you are you then too conservative are you too uh are you borderline you know um fanatical that why are you and you're it's, you know so there are those thing pressures that women are facing but i think the strength that we get and the confidence is going back to our purpose in life and our creator and our Quran and Sunnah. I'll, I'll be honest, that's where I got my, that's the only place to get your confidence and think, you know, when Allah says, I'm paraphrasing that, you know, it's not your, um, the out, it's not your outer appearance that matters, it's your intentions and your good deeds. That That's what Allah cares about. It's not your beauty, it's not the flesh and bones that Allah cares about. And mm -hmm. so if your intentions and your actions are to, you're thinking my eyes is on, I, eyes on the prize, you know, it's, it's on Jannah that, I don't care if people think I'm look, you know, I look like a fadi daddy or I'm looking, I basically, I'm not trendy and I'm not fashionable because what's interesting, it doesn't, you know, fashion and trends change constantly. It's, you know, every week it changes. And so you have as, as a hijabi, you know, trying to keep up, it's, it's basically mission impossible. If you try doing that, that's why these girls, unfortunately, Mela guide them. They took off the hijabs because they were no longer relevant. There was a time when their hijabs were relevant and trendy. And then, and they got um, sponsorships and they got deals and, you know, uh, and they were, you know, um, wanted. But then there came a point where their hijab was then holding them back as far as fame and money and sponsorships. So then there was a, I can see that's one, I can see why. And if you weren't keeping your connection to why did I start wearing hijab in the beginning, it's to please Allah. Yeah. It then it came as no surprise that they discarded it. And, and the other thing is if like um, the, the supermodels who, who have you know, talked about this have said that you don't get, just think of the market share as far as um, it's limited. Whereas if you take your hijab off, you've just opened up your potential to make money. Mm -hmm. And if that's what you it then became important, you're gonna discard it. And, that's what we cannot do. Like, because don't you find you see a lot of copycats? Uh, young girls are in their room, especially with the lockdown, and they've got, you know, my daughter was saying to me recently that she knows a lot of girls who used to be in her high school have become influencers. And I said, What do you mean? She goes, They're hijabi influencers now. And she said to me in a polite, she goes, They really were nobodies in, in that 
they've literally they, they're taking photos it, it's all it's all um of course it's uh, um but you know it's it's filters and it's the illusion you make yourself bigger than you are and more beautiful than you are and more fashionable than you are um and it's and it's really shallow that that's what's really sad that is that our goal in life it's it's you know it's quite sad what do you say to just, I mean, ending in this one, what do you say to a woman who says, well, I don't have to wear hijab to um, show that I love Allah. That's in my heart, right? I hear that a lot with women who just feel like they totally don't need to wear it. So what is your take on that with women? Mm. Yeah, now I, again, it's where, um, where did the, is that an Islamic idea? Is that an Islamic way of thinking? Because if we so is it that um as muslims we're only told to believe and no there's no actions that we need to do so does that mean so so really if they do any islamic action so you know they pray they fast they they've gone on hajj they're kind to their parents they don't take riba um shouldn't that then apply to every rule that they do doesn't it it's why do any islamic rule why obey the sunnah you know because that that would be the question why are you doing anything if you can if we can just believe and do nothing then you, that's what you should be doing if you re- truly believe that or is it that there are just particular rules and hijab seems to be one of them mm. that you don't want to do be be honest you know no one's dumb here no it's gone past the you know be on the day of judgment it's going to be 100 honesty so why don't you just start being honest to yourself you, you, what it is unfortunately they, they're justifying why they don't want to wear it and that's and, that, and what I tend to say is I think okay I, I leave it and I say that's fine I'm not here to t- tell force not well we can't force anyone but I'm not going to argue with you but you know if that's the only thing I would say to them and it's interesting I have said that actually said that, so that they've contacted me and they've wanted to have an argument because I've spoken I'm thinking why am I going to argue with you there's no um you okay if that's what you want to do go ahead and do it and then also stop your fasting stop your praying and and that might seem slightly harsh but they are taking they're not being honest about it because we know for a fact that is not what we do uh, as the that's not the sunnah of the prophet if that yeah. was the sunnah they would have just stayed believed and carried on dancing around the garden naked they would have carried on but you know um burying their daughters alive they would have carried on with the riba isn't it they would have just it would have seen yeah i'm muslim that's all you have to do. You just believe and you do nothing you don't yeah, that's, that's the for- truth. It, it doesn't really it doesn't really hold true to everything we know and how mm-hmm. um all of the the predecessors and some of the prophets and the best of women you know peace be upon them and uh, may Allah reward them and elevate their families like how they carried things out like if it if that was the case i wonder why we're so arrogant that we just make up our own rules and i feel mm-hmm. like some people think that you know certain things hold them back and i ask is that what's really holding you back because you know lately i work a lot with women i'm sure you do too i found a lot more things are holding women back i find their lack of confidence is holding them back. I found their for their lack of mo- motivation is holding them back. I find their lack of of organization is holding them back. I find a lot more things internally are holding them back mm. than externally, like a piece of cloth on your head. But they attribute all of their failures to this one mm. piece of cloth. Oh, I'm held back in life. Is that really true? Because I'm really wondering if everything in your life is so optimal 
that that one thing just tips you over the mm-hmm. edge or are we not, are we, we blaming this so we don't have to look at anything else inside of ourselves that we're not doing mm-hmm. that amazingly. And it's just so much easier to be superficially just something I could physically see. And that, like you said, society has already labeled it as not so good. So that just, just kind of lets me off the hook. So I don't want to be harsh, yeah. to sisters, but I wanted to be honest. And I'm glad you brought up about the people before us, because we're actually doing an entire series right now on um, inspirational Muslim women. And the podcast um, before and after we're doing kind of like every other podcast is that the four women promised paradise. So I was thinking about what you were saying earlier. And I was like, oh, the women who are promised paradise, let's look at some of their characteristics. None mm. of them were hijabi fashionistas, like, and they were powerful women. Like, let's look at Khadija radiallahu anha. She was a powerful mm-hmm. businesswoman. She was incredibly gorgeous, but one of the, re- like all on her own, she didn't need to have fashion anything. And she wasn't seeking um, people's attention. And yet she was naturally beautiful. And she was one of the women promised paradise because of her incredible character. And so what I think mm-hmm. is we're just we're just losing sight of so much of the things that we could do with our character because we're so superficially falling into and being prey, falling prey to, like you said, the marketing tactics of superficial beauty and not that internal beauty anymore, which is what these women who were promised paradise were going to paradise for because of the way that they treated other people, they cared for their society, they helped the poor, they were honest, they were humble, they were, you know, they were... Uh, you know, all these amazing things that are just so much better than like the latest makeup that there is out there. You know, like I just, mm-hmm. I, th- I find it sad. So I appreciate you coming on today and, and kind of bringing us back to earth and reminding us that there is a lot going on out there, but I'm sure there's also a lot going on in the hearts of our women. And I, what I love about what you do, Sister Farhat, is that you and I were on the same page. We're all about building women back up, but in the way that the Quran and Sunnah taught us is mm, the way yes. to go about that. There's an actual way. So I encourage you guys to check out more of what Sister Farhat does on her podcast, Smart Muslim. Check out a lot of her videos. She has an amazing website. Um, I'll be linking it below. And you know, I know she has her book that she's working on. And so all these things, I think you're going to find just another outlet of just amazing information on how we can become extremely empowered as women, but in a way that is aligned with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with, as opposed to what allows other people to make money off of us, you know, subhanAllah. Mm. I mean, I, 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 I don't want to feel used. I don't like to feel used, but if I'm mm. going along, like unconsciously paying attention to what's happening right now to Muslim women, and I'm so happy you brought that up, um, you know, that we're, we're really making people a lot of money right now. Every time the next sister goes out to make a purchase at the store, I want her to ask herself, does it tick those boxes? And you know what, Sister Farhat, while you were talking, I was thinking about putting uh, together a resource for that, like a one pager maybe where sisters could just Mm. download that and know which boxes to tick. That way they can go in their closet right now and kind of say, hey, let me evaluate that. So I think myself and my team, we're going to be putting something together that was something that I really think that you brought up that is extremely valuable. And that way we can evaluate our our choices from here on in and make sure that they are truly things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be pleased with. Yes, alhamdulillah. I think that would be a wonderful idea. Alhamdulillah. Can you explain to sisters who may not have heard, um, you know, the best parts of your work, your position and kind of why you feel it so? Okay, so now... Um, you're, you're absolutely right that there are 
Um, hijab is always being spoken about by, uh, and what's interesting is um, you have non-Muslim politicians speaking about it. You have journalists, you have prime ministers, you know, think of Macron, he speak, he's spoken about it. Um, and it's interesting that so, why is it? So this is the question we need to think about that. Hijab is something that Allah has given to us as Muslim women, but why is it that everyone else and non-Muslims in particular, they feel they have a right to speak about it? Mm. And not only, and what you find now, so with, okay, so we have the niqab being banned in, um, in France and then, okay, you have hijab being banned in certain European countries. Mm. So I think as, as women, we do have to wonder why are they so obsessed with our head covering? You know, yeah. our, they're not obsessed about fasting. They're not obsessed about if we pray or not. But for some reason, that seems to concern them. They've made it their concern when it is not their concern. So that's the first thing that we need to think, I'm trying to think why. And so now when we, um, you know, because, so when, when we try to understand the answer, that's where now liberalism comes into it. You can't ignore mm-hmm. um, the, the answer to that question lies in um, liberal values and liberal ideas. So now if, if you know, if a listener hasn't heard of what, well, what is liberalism and, and what are liberal ideas? And really, in um, <clears throat> in a nutshell, you know, you know, we have as Muslims, we have our belief that we are, we were created by Allah, we are um, slaves of Allah, and we obey Him, and then we have our rules come from the Quran, and we it comes from the Sunnah, and now, you know, our mindset, our paradigm, as far as our world view, is 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 um, governed um, <clears throat> by that, and that's where we get our guidance from. And so, so therefore, whether it's food, clothing, um, ibadah, you know, marriage, we're going to take our guidance from there. So, okay, that, that's, the, that's the life of Muslim. Now, if we now then take, okay, when it comes to non-Muslims now, um, they have a very secular view of life. And so what that means is that you can ha- have your religion, so you can be Christian, Jew, Hindu, Muslim. Um, but when it comes to the rules governing um, society, and so as far as political life, and um, that should put your religion aside, you know, keep that in your church and in your mosque, and people, so the politicians and uh, the people will, you know, so we'll have our elections, we choose a, um, a representative, and they will make the rules and laws to govern society. So, so that it's a very different view. So on one for for the liberal view is that man will make the laws and the islamic rule um, view is allah gives us our rules so okay so we live in liberal country we live in secular liberal countries so america in europe in us now now within that there are certain ideas that they then believe in just like there's certain ideas we believe in now they'll number one freedom is very important so Freedom comes in different forms. So there's the freedom to, um, you know, okay, so again, who you want, how you want to behave, what you want to do, you know, what your goals are, what your aspirations, you know, even the idea of freedom of religion. There's, you know, um, many types of freedom, but the basic thing is that man is free to choose how he lives his life. Yeah. And then, but then of course there were rules that you have to follow and you shouldn't harm anyone. So anything you want to do, 
is fine as long as you don't harm anyone else that that's the basic principle I'm, trying, I'm really simplifying it because I don't want to get make yeah. turn this into a yeah. you know, like a I know it's hard or politics like lesson. straddling the political line I know I know yeah so so basically it's it's to try to explain the two views of life and how you view your life and how you're going to behave so now okay so carrying on with the idea of freedom so you've, you've got the idea I'm free to behave as I want as long as I'm not harming anyone and therefore, then you have agency. No one should be telling you. So one person, the government shouldn't be telling you, you know, um, as long as it's your individual um, decisions, they shouldn't be telling you how to behave, how to dress in the same way. Um, so so you, it, it creates a very, number one, uh, a very individualistic society that you do things for your benefit. If you enjoy doing something, you do that. So if you want to go out, um, partying you can do that if you want to go and drink you can do that if you want to make your have a business where you sell um you know I'm, I'm going to take the example of pornography for example as long as everyone's consenting it, it's not a problem so now so you've got that so you've got the idea of freedom you you're quite an individualistic view of life you know um and then there's this idea of also rights which, you know, as, as an American, you know more than I do, that rights are so important. Though the idea, like, it's interesting, the, the right to bear arms in America is so um, important, is it? Whereas in UK, it, it's not, we don't have that right that, you know, you, it's, uh, you need to have a license, there's lots of checks. But there are certain rights that each liberal country will give to their citizens and no one can take them away. So now, Okay, so now how does this then connect to the idea of hijab? So what you now have now, imagine, so for, Muslim, for a Muslim, a young Muslim woman growing up in a liberal country like America, for example, um, through the school system, through popular culture, so that's the music, the Netflix shows, the, the books, these are the ideas that she's being taught. She, she's grown up learning this, that I have this freedom I have this agency, no one can tell me what to do, you know, to the point, even my parents, you know, there's a limit to what they can tell me to do, you know, if I want to, you know, it's come to the point now, if I want to, um, what I want to wear, if I want to, who I want to go out with, um, these are all, this is um, being um, indoctrinated might be a bit harsh, but that's what she's, she's been drinking for the, for the, you know, from, um, for a long time. So now, now then, as you, once you reach maturity, now in Islam, you've then got this, so you're growing up with those set of ideas, and then you're looking at Islam, and it, then it can come across a, well, actually, you know, Islam has quite a lot of rules and regulations, and what if I don't want to do those things, you know, um, I, I, sh I have a choice when it comes to everything else, so why is it that I don't have a choice when it comes to, okay, because you could take, you could really take any rule, you know, I can, I have a choice whether I eat halal meat or not. I have a choice whether I drink or not. I have a choice whether I take drugs or not. I have a choice whether I wear a hijab or not. So instead of this comes now a um, a bit of, here, here, this is where the struggle then happens that you've got one set of ideas saying you're free and you, you can do what you want. But then on the other hand, Islam is saying, well, but you have a creator and you should obey your creator. And the rules are non-negotiable. Yeah. And we could take it on, you know, in Islam, murder is non-negotiable. You know, pedophilia is non-negotiable. There are so many things that Allah has forbidden. Um, it's 
as once we say that yep we're a muslim and we believe in the quran and we believe in the prophethood sallallahu that we then accept i'm going to so so what we need to realize here is that um the reason why um we're struggling young and old women are struggling with hijab is because we're being given there's two voices in our heads Mm. and there's you know on the one hand we've got our belief and again this is goes back to the idea of secularism and this so this is what liberals will say to us yeah fine you be muslim pray fast that's why they haven't got a problem with fasting praying um but then with hijab it's a very it's a public display of our belief and it's and therefore and it's a very um because that so that is where I think the problem that's the cause of the problem for why we're struggling um with hijab because you don't see this um if you go to Pakistan if you go to okay I'm going to give the example of Pakistan really mm-hmm. that when you're living in a society which I, again I know Pakistan is not it's not an Islamic um it doesn't have an Islamic government but there's more um within Pakistani society that is encouraging and reinforcing Islamic values and the following of, of Islamic rules. So you don't have Muslim women in Pakistan saying, I want to, you know, why, um, really it's that the challenge isn't as great for them, but for us living in liberal countries, um, we do face the ch- challenge is, is bigger. That's what I've can noticed. I, can I ask you a question? Um, I'm just curious about the UK versus the US. So this is thing right mm-hmm. now where in the, in the before we could pull the religion card, right? So if something happened, I'd be like, oh, I can't do that because I'm Muslim or, oh, you know, I have to wear this thing because I'm Muslim or, oh, I don't have to follow that rule because it's against my religion. Let me just give you a perfect example. And even though I know it's a different topic, we're not going to go into it, but just touching in, in how there's an overlap I think in this new ideology and the way we're trying to, they're trying to make us think is for example, um, before, if we were against LGBT, I'm just going to throw that mm-hmm. out there, right? right? And then it was like, and I said, oh, I can't participate in that thing with the LGBT because that's against my religion. Before everyone was like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. I'm literally talking just like three years ago, something. And now mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh my gosh, look at her. She's this. And, and, and the, it, the religion card doesn't work here anymore. As soon as you pull it for hijab, for not believing in certain other ideologies, you're considered an extremely bad person who is backwards. Now we were always backwards, but now it's just the social pressure here to engage in this other way of life, the secular way is just very extreme now. And it came with that, the wave where like the LGBT, they got a lot of rights. And when they got a lot of rights, it said now that as long as you're against what the mainstream says, your religion card can't be pulled anymore where before it always was understood. Is there a difference in that in the UK right now? And in, in, in any terms of like, religiosity like how you can say well hey that's against my religion so i don't have to participate um i would say that what you see is a very muscular form of liberalism where they have come to the view that their ideas and their values are superior to everyone else that their culture is so um when it comes to it really they they do this to um anyone who disagrees with them nowadays so for example, with, um, um, you know, the idea, so um, a, a little while ago, this, um, you know, the idea of having segregated weddings or even having that, um, if in a university campus that you have 
and if an Islamic society decides that they want to have men and women sitting separately, um, now they wouldn't take into any consideration that, okay, this is based on their beliefs and they have a right to those beliefs. So it does yeah. come back to, it's interesting, they speak of rights, that everyone has rights and everyone is treated equally, but they always say that, believe the rights that they have decided are yeah. correct. And what everyone else is saying is um, inferior or, or not correct. So therefore yeah. they can't comprehend what, so because if you allow people to segregate or if you allow people to say that, okay, I don't, um, you know, another idea of, you know, question, even questioning the whole view of um, the, the British colonial past as an example, um, they've come to the conclusion, no, we are, what we're saying is correct. And, and it's interesting, they don't even want to have a discussion about, you're right, so they'll shut the discussion down and label you, um, you're, you're, you are backward or you're, you're irrational, or it's, it's like even the thought that you're a different view could exist and um, is, is it, they can't comprehend that. And so they will start labeling. So yeah, so religion, it doesn't seem to, it's, it's boiled down to uh, whose values and beliefs are correct. So theirs are correct and everyone else has to adapt and change. And, and that's what's interesting with hijab, that they will be okay. So it's, it's, so some people may be thinking, but hold on, you've got um, liberals and progressives who they're, they're okay with women wearing hijab. You know, there were certain personalities in America in particular mm. who they're given platforms and they will invite them to, to speak on the same platform as them. Now, the thing is that they are okay. If you say I'm wearing hijab because it's my choice, you know, or I'm wearing it because um, it's my, you know, it's how I express my um, femininity or there, there's certain words allow, they'll be happy with you. But if you say, no, I wear hijab um, because my creator told me to, it's an obligation yeah. that I believe if I don't, I will, uh, there's a, you know, I could not go to Jannah because of it. It's, or if you're saying this is a means by which I attain the pleasure of my creator, that that they don't want to hear because you've linked it to your religion and you're link, linking it to your way of life and your belief system um and if you notice the um uh, publicly the personalities that will be promoted whether that's you know supermodels or rap artists or um ballerinas or tattoo artists artists who, who wear hijab they will be um, promoted and, and seen as progressive hijabis. Um, be, but it's usually because they are using that kind of, they've um, changed the language in which they describe their reasons for wearing hijab. But you're, you know, a, a sister who does, who is very clear as far as, you know, I'm not saying that those women don't wear it for the right reasons, but it's interesting. There's only certain voices yeah. when it comes to hijab that they will, um, allow they'll give the mic and they'll give a platform to but they're not in really great point it's it's the it's the verbiage that we use like in terms of it, how we put across the argument really matters because it has to almost mimic their argument for them to find it acceptable like I heard you using buzzwords yes. like feminism or empowerment or or you know mm. like things like that and as long as you're in that that frame of mind like I'm doing it so that I can be equal to men and I, you know, in terms of like, I'm doing what I want to do, as opposed to I do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants mm. me to do. As, as long as it's like this other entity that is religious entity, then all of a sudden it's considered the complete opposite. It's not liberating, it's oppressive. 
And so yes. I love that you highlighted because I didn't think about that as much. It's the language, which brings me into the other thing I want to ask you about, which is, you know, nowadays it's really hard for sisters because there's, especially looks like getting to the fashion aspect of it there. It's really hard because there seems to be these lines that are blurred and, you know, you just were mentioning about that. And so the blurred lines uh, in terms of fashion is something that's really hard. Sometimes there are reverts that come into Islam. They're like, I didn't get it. Do I wear my hijab like this or this? Why can she do this? And, and, and you know, she can't. Or there's born Muslims who, who are like, no, I can do this. You can't tell me how I want to wear hijab is how I want to wear hijab. It's like, I'm still wearing it. What's the problem? Why? And then they pull on the feminine card, feminism card. So we see so many versions of Muslim dress and hijab and everyone seems to have a different opinion of what's quote unquote, okay. But what does the Quran and Sunnah say about what is permissible? when it comes to dress? And why do you think with all these arguments out there, women should pay more attention to that? Mm -hmm. um, yes, the confusion is immense. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, Islam is very simple. I, I think that's, it's not complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and, but people, um, and I, again, I'm going to, I am going to blame um, uh, you know, the, 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 the liberal non-Muslim narrative, that is, that is definitely one of the causes of confusion. Um, and they want us to be confused. That, that's just number one. But uh, going back to Islam being simple. Now, when we, uh, I'm thinking of, you know, mashallah, our sisters, when they become Muslim Beaver sisters, um, our, you know, it is that, again, there's so many different things they could look at and read that would give this, tell them something different. But I think if we just keep it really simple and think, okay, when I want, I want to know um, how to pray, how do I go about that? Who do I go to, to get, find that information? Yeah. And we wouldn't go to, um, we, we would go to some people of knowledge. I, you know, we wouldn't go to a, um, a 20 year old, who mashallah is very good at making videos or very, you know, or and is good at, it has certain talents. You know, there's, everyone has talents and expertise in certain fields, but you go to, if you really want to know something about Salah, you go to the person and the books about Salah. And so therefore you would go to, okay, so I need to know what, you know, what are the actions? What should I recite? what should how should I be dressed when I pray how do I do my wudu you know and so you slowly you slowly find out each of those things um but with, and alhamdulillah Muslims are very good at that when it comes to salah when it comes to fasting we don't let anyone muck us around or we're very strict with that because we know this is serious stuff because with salah it's the first thing that we're going to be asked about so I think when it comes to when we think of hijab we should just have the same mindset when it comes to that that okay I'm going to go to the books and knowledge so I'm going to go to the Quran and Sunnah the Hadith and the eyes relating what did the what does what does Allah want me to do here not um you know that that's who I'm going to vote well, how did the prophet tell me to cover how did his wives cover you know yeah. and um I'm going to copy that I'm going to look at the tafsir of that I'm going to go to Islamic knowledgeable people, men or women, because um, when it comes to Salah, we don't distinguish between, I, it has to be a man that tells me, or it has to be a woman that teaches me how to Salah, pray Salah. 
-hmm. the same way when it comes to hijab hijab is just another rule um it's been made a big deal but really it's another it's a rule that Allah wants me to follow uh, has given to me as a blessing I just want to know how to do it yeah. so that would be the first thing go to the to good Islamic sources and the I, thing I is that I want to say I appreciate you saying that because people nowadays especially anyone who's in between the ages of like even 16 and 26 I find a lot of times they're going to Instagram and Facebook mm. to find the answers I get women all the time asking me DMing me on Instagram questions about fiqh like oh sister mm. if I have my menses da 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 and this and this can I pray and I'm like that's a question for a scholar and I have yes. a, a Facebook group private Facebook group um mindful Muslim sisters and women are on there and they're like oh sisters they ask the sisters in the group just out loud hey guys I want to ask a question I'm considering divorcing my husband is this an acceptable reason and then she gives it and she waits for the ruling from the women on the Facebook group. And I have to go on mm. and say, sister, these are real Islamic rulings. You can't mm. ask random people, even me, even I'm I'm educated at a certain level, there's certain criterion to ask certain people certain questions and I don't have it. And I'm the host of the entire Facebook group. And unless there's yeah. a certain alim or a faqih inside this group, you can't, but yeah. women don't know, number one, they can't do that sometimes. Mm. Sometimes they just, they're just like, oh, well, I just see a hijabi online. So she must know and just ask her. And so I appreciate that you're reminding us that, yeah, we have to go for those sources. And then women go, oh, I can't find one. I can't find the sheikh around me. And I'm just like, but we have the internet. So there's so many yes. things that you could look and see. And yeah, you shouldn't believe everything. By the way, I do hand out to women on, um, like the 20 top Islamic, uh, you know, websites that are credible. A lot of the women in my Thrive membership, they have that. And I make sure they have that because I want them to only go to certain sources. But that is an issue because women just ask random YouTubers and Instagrammers mm, and when they see yeah. them the jab a certain way or they see them dressed. Like I see a lot of women, their hair is sticking out, their, their neck is out, their this is that. And then it's really easy if you don't know anything about the topic to just start thinking that must be acceptable because she's doing it. And I think that the women who are doing it don't realize the brevity and the responsibility mm. of what they're doing and they say well I didn't sign up for that and you're like but that's how it works like whether we yeah. want it or not that's kind of just how it works you know if people start to follow you we're all shepherds of a flock in a sense so subhanallah yes. may Allah make it easy for us to make Allah pleased with us so that people actually take the good from us thank you sister for coming on I always love to hear you talk about these topics you are extremely knowledgeable and again I encourage everybody to go check out her podcast and um, inshallah the next podcast that we have will be the next uh, episode in our series of inspiration Muslim women. I think, Sister Farhat, you are an inspirational Muslim woman yourself. Oh. The women, no, alhamdulillah. And oh, the, you know, you're, doing, you're doing the work that I think people don't, and the things, you're talking about things nobody wants to talk about, but that are, are internally really, really just um, issues for our women and they need to hear these things. And so Jazakumallahu Khairan for putting all the hours that you put together to put together all your documentaries and your books and everything. Absolutely brilliant. And um, so sisters, I will talk to you in the next podcast, inshallah bizn ta'ala. I'll put all the links below for everything that we spoke about and I will see you in the next podcast. Uh, thank you, Sister Farhat, again for coming on. Inshallah. Jazakumallahu Khairan. Assalamu alaikum, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.